0: embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you, because your dreams don't build themselves what is up welcome to the dream mason podcast i am your host alex terranova and we are live again this time we're live on facebook we're live on linkedin we're live on youtube um maybe we're live somewhere else that i don't even know about but i'm loving this like just going with it our guest is here i'm going to introduce her in a minute um i'm really excited to talk to her Not just about her and all the things that she's done and and how she got where she is, but also just like the world that we're living in, which, as I was saying to her right before we jumped on, seems like a world of really righteous humans and everybody has to be right. And we have no room for like empathy and listening to each other and like both ends. It's just like one way or the other way. And I found myself this morning... Being like, man, I don't want to be online. I don't want to be on social media. This is, shit is just like, every, the, it's just like all depressing. Um, and ignoring it doesn't seem like the solution either. So yeah, that's what's happening. And let me spin it a little bit. Uh, this podcast we're recording on August 18th. And if you've been following along with me in my life, last Friday, I was on the San Diego News Um, uh being featured about this Tulum dating adventure experiment that I created. And it's official today on Wednesday, August 18th. We have a like finalist list of people that have applied to go on this event Tulum dating adventure with me. And that's kind of exciting and kind of crazy like to see these names of people that are like, hey, I might be spending two weeks with them in Tulum. Um, and I don't even know them as of right now, besides like a questionnaire, and a um and maybe some social media and some dms so that's super exciting and i'm excited to share more with y'all about this the biggest thing i can share on this podcast as a takeaway is on friday i almost had like a like an anxiety attack and i'm not an anxiety like i don't run a lot of anxiety but i noticed like i couldn't be with all the goodness in my life business is good and my health is good and my family is good money is good This, this dating experiment is going so well, like just like nonstop thriving in abundance. And I hit like a a max, like the max that I was used to and that I could hold. And then I started to be like, I need to like mess this up. I need to screw this up. And one of my mentors, um, Denise Yamada said to me, how much goodness can you be with? Hmm. And that just had me pause and just be like, just be with the discomfort, just be with these feelings and allow yourself to be grateful for all the goodness in your life. And remember in the present moment that all this goodness that you have is fine. It's only when I start thinking about the future. That it starts to get stressful and anxiety ridden so i hope somebody can take something from that in your own life i'm going to introduce our guest uh, i'm gonna if you're watching you're gonna be able to see her right now um our guest today is christina mond Lacani i think i did i think i got that right did i oh nice um <laughs> She is a top 10 influencer of like pe- uh, top 10. Like she's not saying that she's a top 10 influencer, but people are saying that she's a top 10 influential person online um, who's making a difference in the world today, which is why I'm really excited to just like get her stance on what's going on. She was awarded an influencer of change award. She's the author of transformational quest, seven days to happiness and live by your own rules. She's also the co-founder of mind Valley. She's a mom of two, a wife, an artist, a speaker. Christina, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. And yeah, actually, you know, as you were saying about influence, I'm actually a micro-influencer, but the award that I got was uh, that I am uh, one of the influencers who's trying to make this world a better place. So that's essentially what the award was about. So thank you. That's a big M.
0: (laughs) (laughs) First, I don't know. Is there anything I always like when I, when I preamble, I always like, like to give the guest, if there's anything you Mm want to add, uh, say, ask me a question, but anything, but instead of just skipping over it, you were listening to all that, is there anything
1: you know, as you were talking about uh, your experience of goodness, I remembered just recently I was talking about that with some uh, some other author and speaker and, uh, you know, humans, I'm a gamer, actually. <laughs> I like to play games and I like the civilization type of games. And there is this interesting phenomenon that if you're playing a civilization type of game, you build a city, probably not from the first go, but you build your city, your civilization. It's It's cool. You have all whatever you need there. And then at some point you just get bored and then you create a war or a hurricane. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) to destroy it so as you were talking about your life I remembered that analogy that sometimes you know we just get so bored that we need a little bit of adventure it's like uh, why why is it so hard sometimes for grown-ups to watch kiddie movies it's not because they're naive it's because there is um, sometimes lack of challenge and we like challenge I, I think every human being likes a bit of challenge
0: That's such a great point. I was thinking I haven't played a game like a Sim City or one of those games where you build, you know, like a world in a really long time. But when I think (laughs) about if I do play like video games or something, usually I play sports games, but I kind of love it when in a sports game, when I fall way behind versus when I'm way ahead, it's like too easy. When I fall (laughs) behind, it's like, ooh, can I come back? Can I overcome this challenge? So it's a really great point. We like love we love drama. (laughs) We love challenges. Uh, When things are good, yeah, we love to
1: mess them up. Well, occasionally, yeah. Of course, the question is, uh, how much do you need to mess up your life? Do you actually need to do that? Sometimes, yeah, it's valid. I believe I haven't done the research yet. (laughs) I'll probably do that. But I do believe that uh, there must be some connection with our rewarding system, that if we overcome something, then we feel a little bit better than if we just get something easy. Or maybe it's the way we've been brought up. Who knows? Is there, you know, we live,
0: I've kind of touched on this we live in a time i don't think there's a time in human history that things were like easy and peaceful and that that's not a that's not a thing maybe before people started keeping records uh, but only because we have no records But so I don't think, you know, I'm not a believer that like, hey, right now is so much worse than other periods of time. Like, we don't know. We weren't there, right? We don't know what it was like to live in the medieval times or, you know, during times of the plague or whatever. But we do know what it feels like to live now. And I kind Mm -hmm. of share my experiences. It just feels shitty to like look out at the world. I don't know how to say it different. As somebody who is trying to make the world a better place, who's been recognized for that, how do you deal with kind of this bombardment of, Stuff,
1: You know, first of all, uh, we do live in a much better time than most of the humankind has ever lived, like throughout the history. Uh, And mostly because we we might not um, always see it this way and we are uh, bombarded with information. So let's say when the plague was happening (laughs) hundreds of years ago, people didn't know it was coming. Uh, so there was this little bit of peace, but think of the fact that even hundred years ago, people died from just simple wounds and cuts because we didn't have, uh, the same kind of, uh, the same level of medical, um, health and, uh, even there is research that shows that there is way less violent death nowadays than there it was. Uh, let's say, in the beginning of the 20th century. So we definitely live in a safer uh, place and safer time. Uh, But answering your question, like more precisely your question, uh, I think uh, the question is not uh, how uh, how to deal with this world, which is not to our liking. My very firm belief is that the first and the only relationship that you have to focus on, is the relationship with you. And we are now jumping very deep into what I like to talk about uh, and we're jumping into it without any preparation. So bear with me going a little bit, maybe too philosophical. But the thing is that uh, we humans, we often like to change the world and make it better. Well, I was awarded for that. But the thing is that you can't really change other people. If you have a love partner, you know, they don't change. They change when they're ready for that. If you have children, you know that you might try to teach them all you want, but they will show up. I mean, they'll, they'll grow up whatever they grow up and, and your influence is actually quite questionable. So we, we have this weird illusion that we somehow can change the world and we put so much effort into that. And if the world doesn't, um, doesn't respond or doesn't change or doesn't do what we like it to do, we get stressed about that and we feel certain weird feelings about that. Uh, So my um, main message is probably that you have to sort out your relationship with you. The moment when you sort out your relationship with you, the relationship with the outside world is going to fall into place. And usually uh, if something triggers you or if you don't like something about the outside world, this feeling is actually just mirroring back at you. It's not about the outside world. It's something in you gets triggered. So a very simple example, if you are criticized for something that you do, Your response to the criticism depends on how much you believe that criticism to be true. So if I said, and sorry for a very simple, funny example, but if I said that, Alex, I'm sorry, but pink hair doesn't look good on you, you wouldn't react because you know your hair isn't pink. So I didn't trigger anything. When any kind of unpleasant emotion is being triggered in you, it is usually a reaction so it's not the person who criticizes you it's not the person who does something that you don't like it's you reacting and it's usually about you not about the person and it's as i said it's a very uh, like advanced philosophical concept that i'm starting with so i'm really sorry for, me, for so so deep into that uh, but that's if if you uh, if you look at life from this angle then you understand that the world triggers you Because you're not in peace with what you, uh, with yourself uh, in in certain area. When when I um, adopted that concept, that nothing is wrong with the world around me, that it is usually my reaction to the world around me. Uh, When I see someone, it doesn't mean that I'm at peace with everyone. It doesn't mean that I love all the people. But when I see something or someone, let's say someone, a speaker is talking on stage and it triggers me and I don't like something. I usually ask myself, what is it in me that gets triggered? It's not about the speaker being whatever the speaker is. It's about what is it in me that's being triggered. And it's not it doesn't mean that I have to change me or that I'm wrong or bad in some way. I just want to understand me. Maybe it's a value that's being triggered. You know, if somebody is late, you're not upset because they're late or because they disrespect your uh, your time. It's because your value, there is a value in you which has been, uh, you, you know, well, it it has been disrespected, essentially. So it is something in you that's been triggered. So my experience in personal growth and transformation is really long. I've been in this industry for 18 years, and I've learned one very simple thing. When you're at peace with yourself, you become at peace with the world. If you can be kind to yourself, it's easier to be kind to the rest of the world. You are as tolerant to the outside world as you're capable of being tolerant towards your own quirks and weirdness. So, um, my personal and uh, um, one thing which, uh, which which was not mentioned in my bio, I spent actually a lot of time doing uh, non-profit charity work. Uh, I'm a philanthropist. I've worked for uh, UN for, for huge NGOs. And I know that there is a lot to be changed in the world. Like climate is a huge problem, of course. There's violence, there's poverty. Uh, There there are a lot of problems that we have, that we face. But can you be at peace with the world the way it is and still want to change it? And that's, I think, is the, the, the trick, to learn to be at peace with the world being messed up, with people being idiots, be at peace with that. Try to see why are they like this and want to change it. Not because you're triggered and angry and upset and well depressed. Just change it because, uh, because yeah. it
0: needs to change. Oh my God. You see, First of all, thank you. It was like so beautifully said. And you're talking about things that I've personally been seeing a lot recently, the, like one of the conversations I've been having with myself a lot recently is, um, I can stand for something really powerfully, like and I can I can, you know, stand for my family, my clients, uh, you know, my belief in, you know, the country or the city I live in and not be attached to the result. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And my favorite example, I always, you know, when I talk to clients about this is like Martin Luther King was a great example of that. Or Gandhi, right? Like they they stood for what they wanted, but they weren't out there making people do anything. Martin Luther King wasn't running door to door, grabbing people, pulling them out of their houses, and making them march with him. Right? It was like a lighthouse, and if you saw the vision, you marched with him. But mm-hmm. if you didn't see it, he was he just did his thing and stood for what he believed. Um, and I love how well you put it. The world is as tolerant. Uh, you're you're as tolerant with the world as you are with yourself. And I know that when I look out and I see I've done a lot of work to overcome my own righteousness, like I'm right. Right. I have strong opinions. And I think I don't there's still that part of my ego that doesn't want to let that go. And that's when I see everything on social media and everyone's strong opinions and everybody being mean to each other. It really triggers that that shadow or that old version of myself that I've done such a good job. It like it like pokes that bear. Hey, you're still in there. Come on. Um, And uh, so thank you. That was, a, I think that you just said that so, so beautifully. Ken, I'm curious for you personally, for somebody who's been, I've been doing personal development work for almost seven years now. So it's, it's, you know, I'm a little bit less than half, half the time of you. Um, and, and I've changed so much, right? My, my natural, my um, uh, neural pathways have completely changed in seven years in the way I see things and talk about things. For you, after 16 years, what do you still get triggered by? What, do you, what still kind of grabs you and hooks you that you're still working on transforming?
1: I, you know, personal growth is a little bit like uh, like physical hygiene. <laughs> we sometimes, a lot of people uh, come to personal growth thinking, okay, I'm going to do the work, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to, to, to train and, and to practice and become whatever I am supposed to be, like the perfect person picture of me and then and then life is going to start being beautiful and perfect. But that's not how it works. You don't go to shower once a year and then live the rest of the year clean. You actually you know, you deal with, you deal with your hygiene every day, or whenever need comes. So the same with personal growth. I'm a very regular human being. I get triggered by things. I do have uh, massive levels of tolerance that I can tell, and um, that's that's something which I have. Uh, developed over the years, but I do get triggered. I am wrong very often. I change my opinions. I remember when and I'm not going to touch a sensitive topic, but I remember when one and a half years ago, pandemic started. I lived in Asia then and Asia is very different, um, different um, circumstances. Uh, I I have lived in Asia for 16 years before I moved back to Europe. So uh, my view on everything was very different because I said, you know, the reaction that we're seeing is a Western world reaction and and, then this uh, like the realities of, uh, developing countries are different, but, and then, uh, within a matter of a few days, I actually had to change my mind. I actually had to admit that in areas where I was very uh, passionate, I was wrong. And that happens over and over again, because we are human beings. And my, you know, my goal is not to be perfect. My goal is to be human. I don't want to be woke. I don't want to be unemotional. I don't want to be Zen. I want to live because I'll be all of that when I die and cross over into something that I don't know, but I believe that's when we are godlike. here. We're human for a reason and we have this limited journey. So let me enjoy it the way it is. It's, it's like, can you enjoy life the way it is through its every single expression? not looking for perfection well can i enjoy myself through every single expression including when i'm wrong including when i feel ashamed so yeah i really i I think i I got slightly carried away when i was answering i don't remember what question but i was was answering but what i was trying to say i guess is that
0: um you said it perfectly i think
1: (laughs) okay i'm honest like i think you
0: answered it i don't know you don't have i feel like first of all, it was beautiful. Like, I love the idea of, right. I, I don't, I agree with you. Like, I don't think we're here to be perfect, but I love the idea of, Hey, there it's, this is a human experience and so many of us in personal development are trying to escape a human experience of some other experience, Um, which is such a funny thing to say out loud, right? Like we want to have this spiritual experience, which we can have, but we're having a human
1: experience. Nick, just before, I know you, you have something in your mind, but I just want to comment on that. Uh, you know, when we want something else so badly, I want to be better. I want to be Zen. I want to be awoken or whatever. It the other side of the story is that I don't like what I have right now. What is what, what I am right now is not good enough. And that's, you see, that's the thing. That's a trap. A lot of people are afraid. If I'm at peace with what I am right now, does that mean I'm not going to grow? No, that's not how it works. How does a map work? Navigation system in your car? It doesn't work. Oh, I want to go to Paris. Let me put Paris and I miraculously drop from somewhere the thin air into Paris. You have to know where you start. What's your starting position? My starting position is me today with all my flaws and mistakes. Can I accept that? I can only move forward and become better and grow and evolve if I'm at peace with what I have right now. The same with the world. You were asking, how can you tolerate the world as it is? It's when we accept the world with all its flaws and stupidity, that's when we can actually improve it.
0: This is... I think this is a really tough space for people, right? We have so much trouble accepting ourselves. How do we even accept the world? I think that's a very common thing. I'm curious if you have anything that you suggest or recommend or practices or tools, anything that, you know, that, that can help us with acceptance, whether it be with ourselves or the world around
1: us. Well, I could give you a, a serious long answer, but I'll give you a, light, a slightly lighter answer. I believe in life. Uh, when life gets really tough there are two tools which always help one of them is being philosophical and another one is being humorous so if philosophy doesn't help make fun of it <laughs> and that that usually helps there oh there is a story that comes with that but it's a, it's a little longer do you want to uh, tell it it's up to you it's up to you sure. There is this story. I, I always butchered it because I don't remember the original, but it's about some Mongol king who was uh, besieging a city. So he was uh, trying to get into the city and, and they, they were camping around and this Mongol king used to send his warriors to the city and, and get whatever was possible to get. So the warriors came, took the food, came back to the king. King asked, so what are the people in the city doing? The warriors say, oh, they're crying and telling us that, you know, our children are starving. Please have mercy on us. The king goes, go back and take whatever is left there. So the warriors go back. They steal everything that's there. Uh, There's no food left. They steal clothes, things, everything. They come back to the king and the king asks, so what are the citizens of the city doing? And the warriors say they are crying. They're mourning. They say they have nothing left. The king goes, go back, steal what's left there. So it goes there rounds and rounds. And because I never remember the original story, so I'm not going to butcher it, but it ends with warriors coming back and saying to the king, we don't understand, but people are singing and laughing and dancing. And the king goes, oh, now I know they have nothing left to lose. So (laughs) that's why I'm saying humor is the other second thing that always helps no matter what happens in your life.
0: I love that i i thanks for making me feel good about myself i <laughs> I often am the person who brings levity and humor to like the worst conversations and situations, and some people love that about me because it does what you're talking about and other people that's really triggering for right It's hard for them to be with that I bring that um and sometimes I make myself wrong for bringing levity like oh, you're deflecting, you're using humor and maybe sometimes I am. And other times I'm right there with you that like, what else is there to do? Right? Like this, I, I don't like this thing sucks. This is, we can, I can either be all sad that it sucks or I can like make fun of it and try to like add some change, change the energy to an energy that I want. Um, there's so much here that like, I want to, I think you're, you're, you're like, you're speaking to things that are so relevant right now for so many people. And I love that you talked about um, personal growth as good hygiene. Like that, (laughs) that we, right. We don't take one shower and say, Oh, I'm clean forever. We take a shower and then we might go outside and, you know, and it might be humid out and go, Oh man, I need to take another shower like 10 minutes later. And often that's, it's such a great lesson in personal development that, you know, we we work something out. We think we've had this big breakthrough, and an hour later, something gets triggers us, and we're right back where we were. And it's time to kind of practice again um, and and challenge ourselves again.
1: As you know, get, do do mind if I interact uh, inter interrupt again? Oh, no, it it would be it would be good if it was only about the uh, amount of showers that you have to take during the day. The thing is that. Uh, <laughs> The thing is that in personal growth, there are no uh, recipes in life. There are no recipes in personal growth. There is no panacea. There is no one size fits all. And that's the beauty of it. So it's actually quite contradictory because uh, the tools that you have to use in your life depend on where you are in your life, what situation you are in. So you said, you know, if something works for you uh, right now, what's going to happen five years from now? Maybe what worked for you five years ago is not something what you need right now. And that's the interesting thing. Uh, I'm not a huge proponent of hard work, surprisingly, (laughs) but uh, if we take work as an example, there are people who are on the brink of burning out, who are stressed, and the suggestion that they need to hear is that you need to take a break, you need to take care of yourself. Can you enjoy the present moment? Can you let go and be at peace? Right. But then there are people who are stuck, who are in apathy, who are maybe getting depressed. And uh, the the suggestion for them would be the exact opposite. Go out and hustle. Do something, you know, move anything you do. Just move, move around and and create some change. So the thing is that it's the same. The same is true with you. There is no size fits all. There is no one thing. Oh, I've discovered meditation. All my problems are solved no you have to you have to always balance it's like a dance life is like a dance and a proper dance is that yes you learn the steps but it depends on the partner you have to react and interact with the partner sometimes you step forward sometimes you step backwards sometimes you step sideways and sometimes you spin and that's the same with personal growth it's (laughs) you you keep discovering new things which is beautiful
0: It's so I'm thinking as you're saying this. So when I started my my personal growth journey, I got very consumed with my morning routine. And my morning routine started with like 20 minutes of meditation. That's how it started. And getting up, waking up earlier, 20 minutes of meditation. It was like then lemon water and 20 minutes of meditation. And then it was like lemon water, 20 minutes of meditation and 30 minutes of reading something that would, you know, make me think. And then it was water meditation, reading, yoga, right? Like I kept adding more and I, I I pretty much stuck to this routine for almost like two years, pretty, pretty hardcore, like almost every day. And I definitely learned discipline, right? I taught myself discipline, which I don't think I had to that degree, which was beautiful. And I think it evolved me. But then I hit a moment where I went, I'm a robot. I'm not even a human anymore. I'm not going do I need to meditate today? Do I need to do yoga? Like there wasn't, it wasn't conscious. I just became like uh, Oh, these are the recipe steps to be a good human. And I remember having a moment where I went, I'm done with all this. And I stopped doing all of those things. And I created, and, and I created a different something to get me ready in the morning. And then there was a period of time where there was nothing, there was no morning routine, right? It was just like, Hey, I think you need to sleep in a little more. You're like waking up so early. You're not getting the rest. And I love, I love that idea that, hey, we, we, that thing that worked for you, worked for you in a time at where you were at, and that you get to a new place. And maybe it's time to try something different or new. That thing um, is an old, like is an old outdated recipe for the Mm -hmm. for the, the life you're trying to build or the life you're trying to create.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, there. there is a um, I'm loosely applying this concept right now in these circumstances, but there is such a uh, phenomenon as uh, hedonic ad- adaptation. And what that means is that if something gives you pleasure, if you do it over and over again, the amount of pleasure is going to uh, be reduced and we get um, we get um, uh, used to things. They stop working. For us, and we need more and more. A very simple example: uh, when I started drinking coffee, I was thirty, and just half, uh, like a few sips, would kick me with a brick, <laughs> with a ton of bricks, and I wouldn't sleep for days. Of course, the more you drink coffee, uh, the the more your body gets used to that, and it doesn't have the same effect. But this is just a very like uh, <laughs> biological example. But it happens to us with our practices as well. So. For example, people love uh, the practice of gratitude. Uh, It is one of the staples of personal growth and transformation. A lot of people talk about gratitude as an amazing practice. But the thing is that we start doing it after a while. First, it works. But after a while, we start doing it on autopilot. It's, it's, uh, you know, the same mechanism. You first create your habits but then habits start running your life and they start running you. So uh, people who do gratitude for a really long time, it becomes like a checklist Oh, I've checked the boxes, but the point of the practice is not to check the boxes. The point of the practice is to actually experience the emotion of gratitude on a daily basis. But if you're not, if you, you have gone through this adaptation process and it doesn't have the same effect on you you need to change something because your uh, you know your habit is in a rut and uh, it, it, you you don't get the same so you have to sh- sh- shift it a little bit you have to change you have to maybe um Do it in a different way or uh, be grateful for something else. If you were uh, just checking the boxes, what I'm grateful for in my life, focus on yourself. What are you grateful for in you, in your character? Focus on on something which has been 24 uh, hours uh, and not older, not something that is always there. Or, uh, you know, focus on experiencing, experiencing the feeling of gratitude. So you have to shift it up. And at times, maybe you have to give it up for a while. Maybe there is priority for something else. So it is it is quite normal that we get used. And, you know, another interesting thing is that um, you can overuse a practice and you can start escaping into practice. So we, when we talk about bad habits, we say, oh, you know, uh, don't don't eat chocolate when you're stressed. Don't drink wine when you're stressed. Like uh, or, or when something happens to you, you fall into your bad patterns. You go and you eat something sweet. But we do that with meditation, with exercise, with walking. I know I have a, a, a a guy who does my massage, we discuss uh, cycling and, and uh, Ironman with him. And he talk, told me about this one guy who does Ironman almost compulsively. And as I was listening to him, I asked, so what is he running away from? And then I was like, wait a minute. Did I just ask that? A healthy habit. And I had an uh, an impression that a person is running away from something into a healthy habit into meditation, into personal growth and transformation, into exercises. We do that without realizing, but because it's a good thing, we tell ourselves, oh, it's fine. And I don't actually, you know what? I don't mind. Run away. The question is that if you're running away, you are not dealing with what causes you pain. Do whatever you like, even if it's a bad habit, even if it's not healthy, as long as you deal with your dragons.
0: I love that so much. I um, you heard me talking about this Tulum adventure um that I was talking about, and somebody one of the things that I had put is um, if somebody's going to go with me, I want them to drink. I want somebody who drinks. And um, some people reached out and said, "Why is it so important for somebody like you, so conscious and whatnot? Why is it so important that somebody drinks?" And I said, "You know, I I really enjoy tequila and mezcal. Like I I enjoy sitting in front of a fire." and sipping on tequila and mezcal. I enjoy sitting in a restaurant at a bar with somebody and enjoying a drink with them. I used to drink to, like, to avoid feelings, to get away from being with myself. Now I drink for the exact same reason I like to meditate. It's an enjoyable, <laughs> it's an enjoyable practice. But to your point, if I drink every day, that goes away. And I feel that way about meditation. If I meditate every day, it starts to feel like I don't have that, that same feeling, this, the hedonic adaptation. And it was interesting when I would explain to people, look, I'm not a, I don't drink. I'd maybe drink one day a week and maybe not, but like when I do it, it's, it's a, I think of it as a tool, right? If I if I use a hammer to hit nails and put up beams, it's great. But if I walk around hitting everything with a hammer, all of a sudden the hammer becomes a destructive thing, not a support Mm. thing. And I love that we we because we have this binary concept of good and bad, right? Alcohol is bad. Meditation's good. Instead of nothing is good or bad, it's more about how we use each thing, right? Like there's people using for so long, people said, you know, psychedelics were so bad. And there's people using psychedelics to cure PTSD now and help people and people using it for spiritual reasons and all sorts of things like that. Um, And it makes you rethink like, wait, I love that idea that like how many people are running away. And instead of dealing with their thing, oh, I'm just going to go meditate. I'm not going to talk to my partner about the fight we got in. I'm going to go meditate. I'm not going to confront the issues in the world that are triggering me. I'm just going to go meditate. It's a really, uh, I've never heard anybody put it like that. It's a really, it may, it makes you question, Hey, what are all the habits I have and why, why am I choosing to do them? Or am I just doing them on autopilot?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have a very special relationship with meditation, obviously, because it's, um, it's what started mind Valley, uh, 18 years ago. Uh, so, um, uh, I think meditation is like, uh, like shower, in a sense, uh, you sometimes you take the full shower, sometimes you just need to wash your <laughs> muddy feet. Um, and uh, meditation, uh, if you look at it medically, it's just a, like a special regime on which your brain and body works, which is very, very useful. So I I, I, I do think you can meditate daily without uh, getting this um, effect of hedonic medit- uh, adaptation uh, if you if you uh, research it if you do different types there are so many different uh, styles of meditations and if you do certain exercises on a meditative level uh, so whatever whatever is your thing right now uh, if you close your eyes relax physically and you do the same thing you're essentially meditating and that thing is probably more uh, efficient. So whether it's the gratitude exercise or thinking about your goals or whatever problem solving. So meditation is, is, um, it's, it's a very universal thing, but if you do a very particular type and only do that particular type, uh, then obviously it might, it might wear off. The effect might not be there. So meditation, if you look in the essence of what it is, it's, uh, it's just the way, uh, to, to alter the way you work your brain works and, and keep consciousness while your brain works at a slower pace, essentially when we fall asleep, uh, then, then y- you understand that you can use it, um, in any different way. I guess the, the very simple analogy would be, you know, you can do so many things when you are awake, <laughs> you can do so many things when you're meditating. So uh, meditation per se, I don't have a problem with that. I do. I have seen a lot of people who go into spiritual practices, uh, compulsively and and, and uh, you realize that that at some point it stops bringing their effect. And actually what they need to do is maybe put that aside and deal with the problem at hand rather than run away into something spiritual and nice and and by default a good thing. So, yeah, a few words in, in support of meditation. <laughs> I'm curious about,
0: you know, I mentioned in the intro, you have two children, you're married. Um, how the personal development has changed you as a partner and as a parent over the years?
1: So it's, uh, I would have to give you completely different answers because I am not married anymore.
0: Oh, I'm sorry, (laughs) okay.
1: Yes, we we separated uh, two years ago now, I think. I've lost count. But uh, when it comes to children, children have been a great source of uh, learning for me. And uh, probably uh, children were the people who taught me that uh, how to be at peace with the world. Uh, and here uh, I'll share maybe a story to, to illustrate what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, we often want our children to be happy. Uh, well, most, most people want their children to be happy, those who have children. If you don't have children, if you have a, a spouse, a partner, or someone that you love, parent, sibling, a dog, usually if you love someone, you want them to be happy. That's just, that's how we, were why do we want them to be happy? And for for parents, that translates into creating a happy environment for your children. So uh, when I was a kid, my mom didn't take me to hospitals or funerals because she thought, you know, as a small child, I shouldn't be exposed to pain, to something unpleasant, to exposed to the fact that, you know, people are uh, getting sick and dying. Uh, and I grew up without that concept, uh, I, I still think that uh, death is like, like one of my the hugest fears. Uh, so we try to create a, this, this uh, artificial environment of, uh, for our children, the, the environment of happiness, the absence of, of, uh, of pain. So what happens is that our children grew up with, first of all, a very weird idea of what happiness means. It's like a unicorn, you know, this magical creature that you can draw, but you have never seen it in real life. For us, because our parents do that to us, we equate happiness to lack of problems, discomfort, pain, to this beautiful, sunny, perfect environment. And that would, have, it, that would be half the problem. The other half of the problem is that we grow up without the functional skills to deal with pain. And pain is going to happen. So as we grow up, our parents, by trying to uh, protect children from pain, deprive us of the skills to deal with it. So one of the deepest lessons that I learned when I uh, became a parent was allowing the people that I love to experience pain. And sometimes me being the cause of it. So I once came into my uh, son's room in the evening. He was supposed to go uh, sleep and he was crying. And I asked Hayden, why are you crying? He said, you know, we were traveling and I didn't do the homework and my classmates depend on my homework. And I feel scared and I feel ashamed. And my first reaction was to say, hey, don't worry, go to sleep. I'll write to the teacher because you traveled with me. I took you away. It's my fault. I'll deal with that. And then I stopped myself and I said, what am I doing? You know, my child has an opportunity to deal with something uncomfortable with me being there for him. So I stopped myself and I said, Hayden, you know, what do you think? How are you going to deal with that? So we talked about that and I reminded him, I just told him, no matter what happens, just remember, I love you as it is. You come back and we'll deal with that later, but don't worry, I'm there for you. The next day, of course, he came home. I asked how the things were, and he's like, well, ah, everything is fine. He forgot about it. It was all done. But the point I'm trying to make is that by depriving the people that we love of their experience, what are we doing to them? You know, every the, 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 there is this beautiful idea that you have the right to have your experience, and I have the right to have my experience. But when I deprive my child, of his experience, what's going to happen is that the universe is going to give my child this experience at a later time, but I might not be there next to him to help him to go through it. So this was the biggest lesson I learned with children, to just be there and witness them doing their life the way they know. Yes, I'm trying to support them. I'm trying to give them my skills, my values, my ideas. But ultimately, my job is to just be there for them no matter what they're going through. And that was the biggest lesson for me. And that's, I guess, why I came to peace with the world being nuts.
0: I don't I don't know if you're willing to share. Because um, I think that so often we p- people think of, you know, personal development leaders. Um, it's like everything in their life works like they're not supposed to have any problems or like their relationships are supposed to go perfectly and you know you just shared um that you've been separated for like 2 years and right we, we this kind of comes back to the idea that we were talking about like there's no good or bad like like you're being human right like that's part of your human experience did you find that was there a part of you that made it harder to have you know a, your relationship come to an end because of this space that you're in, because there's people's eyes on you as a leader, as a thought leader, as someone who, you know, is, I don't know, I'm making stuff up, right? Like who would be somebody like, well, if, if Christina and her partner can't work it out, how are how are just the regular folks supposed to?
1: <laughs> you know, it's I, we got a lot of that. So who are you to teach anyone anything? And uh, our society's uh, uh, measure of success is so rigid. So it's, it's so interesting, you know, um, I once heard Dan Savage say that, and he said that in a slightly different context, but I just like this idea. He says when a world-class chef burns an omelet, he's still a world-class chef. He just burned an omelet. And when a world-class athlete loses a game, he's still a world-class athlete who just lost a game. But when a human being makes a mistake in a relationship, we write that human being off. So of course I got a lot of that. Um, but, um, I want to answer in a few parts. Part number one, my relationship didn't fail, it changed. So my relationship with Vision didn't fail, but we are still in a relationship, but in a different one. We ended up our relationship as husband and wife. We still grow children together. We are still friends. We are still business partners. We, uh, we maintained our relationship. So when we made, uh, when we'd made this decision to separate, um, what happened was that we felt that the marriage part wasn't working anymore. And what do people do when something doesn't work and they don't have the courage to make the change or make the decision it has to end? They start sabotaging either the relationship or themselves. So we got to the point where we felt that it's not working and we are on the brink of starting to sabotage it, finding flaws in each other, creating drama, creating problem. So the logic was, why don't we throw out the milk if it's stinking and not drink it? You know, soured milk should throw, should, should, should go. So we, we realized that that we have a choice. Either we try to stay and let that part, which doesn't work in our relationship, ruin all the other parts. Or we cut that one off and continue with that part of the relationship, which still worked. So at the time when I gave up, um, you know, this possessive uh, relationship, uh, we, we often very possessive in romantic relationships. But I realized a lot of things became easier for me with Vishen. It was easier to be good friends. It would easier to tolerate his quirks, because I cut off the part which wasn't working, and it was uh, much easier for me to to forgive him for other things and to maintain what was working. So I would disagree that our relationship failed. It didn't. We saved it. Sometimes you have to cut off the limb to save the life. It's a gruesome uh, analogy, but that's that's <laughs> how I look at it. The other question, did I blame myself for failing, would have a completely different answer. No matter how philosophical or humorous I might be about life, I couldn't avoid feeling that I failed or questioning myself, what did I do wrong? And I'm still in the process. Yes, it's been two years, but still sometimes I wonder, did I do the right thing? And sometimes I'm thinking like, oh my God, thank God we (laughs) divorced. It's both, but these moments happen and a lot of things happen to us in life we are sometimes the thing is that we sometimes get attached to something to one thought or one feeling and we we wear it as a as um as, as a costume right and and that becomes and that defines us so yes i have felt like a failure in a relationship but i have also felt like a hero and i have also felt like a very smart person Everything has happened. And yes, we do have a lot of eyeballs on us. And my Instagram account crossed over to 10,000 after we divorced. And I thought, wow, that's a great Instagram growing strategy, getting divorced. (laughs) But um, jokes aside, uh, yes, of course, people look, of course, people criticize, but I can't change their opinion about them. If we come back to what we started, when they have problems with my decisions, It's about them. It's not about me. It's just that my actions triggered something in them. And I'm going to share uh, an example from my personal life just to illustrate. When we decided to separate, it was really hard to tell our parents. And when I told my mom, she was very upset with me. So she started telling me, uh, you know, what are you doing? You guys are crazy. Why did you do that? And at that moment, I had a choice to try to convince her or explain to her, uh, or try to make her see my point of view, why did we do that? You know, try to sway her over to our decision. Or I could let her have her experience, her experience of pain. And it was really hard, but I stopped myself from arguing with my mom, not to add more drama to uh, already a pretty sensitive situation. And she, we didn't talk for a week. I didn't call her because I knew if I called her, I'd start arguing with her. So I thought I'll wait until she's ready to talk to me. And a week later, she called me and she said, Christina, I was very upset with you. But after thinking and thinking and thinking it over, what I realized is that you're just being brave. And there have been moments in my life where I could have been brave and stood up for what was important for me. But I chose to sacrifice my own happiness for the opinion of the people in my life. My own happiness for maybe your happiness, for my dad's happiness. You know, we do that. We have this beautiful idea. I'll sacrifice my happiness for the people that I love but they're not going to be happy because you're not happy. So my mom, after a week of going through her own pain said, you know, I'm going to be on your side no matter what you have decided, because I understand that you're just being brave. And what I learned from that experience is that I let her go through her pain. It was her journey. I didn't interfere into it. I didn't try to sway her. And when she was ready, she came back and we could see eye to eye and understand each other. So that was my, my experience. And um, I know I t- touched upon a little bit sensitive thing. If you, are, if you know what's important to you, if you know your truth, are you willing to stand for your truth, even knowing that the people that you love may be hurt? It's a very hard question because we are, we are brought up with a romantic notion that you have to sacrifice yourself for success. For happiness of other people, for greater good. And guys, I get it. I, I I, experienced the breakup of Soviet Union, one of the hugest, craziest countries in the world. I was 14. I remember it perfectly. I was scared of that. I know what it means. But this doesn't happen in everyday life. It happens sometimes sometimes once in a lifetime, and then you have to have this courage and the fortitude to, yes, to sacrifice maybe your life for the greater good. But what happens is that we actually say this beautiful lie to ourselves in everyday life, where what we are afraid of is not to hurt others. We are afraid to rock the boat, to change the status quo, to take a hard decision, so, uh, I know I'm touching upon very sensitive things and it's a deep rabbit hole and we don't have a lot of time, but, um, yeah, I guess Perfect. I'll, I'll be unfair and I'll no. just leave you with that.
0: That was great. I, um, uh, I think about a lot that, you know, we live in a, we live in a world where we relate to relationships failing, like relationships ending as failure, instead of just the chapter in a book and then there's another chapter that, you know, whether it be a marriage, a friendship to the, to, to even tie into converse, what we've been talking about earlier, like things end and that doesn't mean that it was bad or good. It means that it's simply changing. And, um, I love how you, you said it differently and you talked about it differently. Um, but I recently have thought a lot about like, Hey, all the relationships I've been in are not failures. I grew from them. Some of them we have great friendships now, and some of them we don't, and that's okay too. Um, and then I wonder, you know, I've never been married, but I wonder, like, would I have the courage to walk away from a a, a, a relationship like that if it reached its end point? Right, not from we failed, but from hey, the chap, the this season. I love the idea of seasons, right? That summer doesn't last forever. And how silly would it be if winter, if it started to get cold and you kept pretending it was summer, you're just kept wearing your flip-flops and your shorts and your tank tops and you're freezing to death, suffering because you don't want to admit that seasons change. Um, Sometimes I think about relationships like that, like things change and we change. And a lot of us just aren't willing to let go of something as it's been. And if we actually let it go, we get to enjoy the next season or the next experience. Um, Thanks for sharing that, your experience, like from a personal level. um, I think I love, I'm glad that I asked you that because I think it is really important that people get to hear from people that are doing it consciously, right? You didn't just, let's get divorced, you know, or separate and just because, right? There's, you can hear like there's a, there's a intentional conscious conversation that you and your partner had around why you were doing it and how you wanted it to go. And what was, it's like, what's the next chapter going to be about you're writing the next chapter, not just slamming the book closed and burning it in the fireplace. Um, Christina, I just want to thank you. Um, I, we, this time has flown by. You are so just wise and brilliant and eloquent and fun. Um, and it just felt like such a uh, a pleasure and an honor to be here. I'm super familiar with Mind Valley. Uh, the things that you all do over there are incredible and are changing people's lives. But I didn't know a lot about you and and like your impact. And I often say to people that come on the show, um, I can feel the 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 ripples that you leave by how many notes I took, <laughs> and I have like pages of notes. Um, so thank you, thank you just for what you left me with. But I know that if I got this much, that the listeners will also take a ton away. Uh, so I'm just really grateful to have uh, you know been in your presence and been able to be with you today.
1: Thank you so much for for inviting me and for for yeah giving me this time. I
0: want to, I want to, if there, is there
1: anything you want to say
0: at the end, you know, like to leave us with anything you want to share before, I mean, I'll tell people where they can find you, but is there any, you know, takeaways or anything you want to leave anyone with?
1: Yeah, I will. Uh, It's a short story if you don't mind. No, go for it. Uh, years ago i was working we were building mind valley and mind valley is a company that helps people to live happy fulfilled extraordinary lives on the other side i was working in un with refugees in asia and i saw a lot of a lot of tragedy a lot of uh, pain and a lot of loss and you know i lived in this world where well in my universe there were two worlds always at war you know happiness misery and i just happened to have a chance to ask the dalai lama that question Uh, I ask, how do I how do I build a company which is about happiness? while I know that there is so much tragedy in the world. And Dalai Lama's answer was very simple. He said, Christina, you can't help anyone if you're not happy. And that's what I want to leave the listeners with. Please be happy. It's really, really important. And it's not you know, it's not secondary. It's not it's not a prize. It's important. So be happy.
0: The Dalai Lama is the best. He, I, I'm sure people that don't, that don't listen to him or watch him. He not only brings brilliance, but he brings levity and play and humor. And he is so human and so mm. real. Um, I think if, if you're not familiar with the Dalai Lama, I mean, I mean, people are familiar with the name, but if you're not familiar with the Dalai Lama and the way he, the way he shows up with humans, I like really encourage people to go you know, watch him be interviewed or watch him talk because you'll see such a beautiful human being. Um, Thanks for sharing that. That's a great story. I love that. Um, I want to tell people where to find you. And there's some like really simple things like they can go to they can go to Mind Valley um, on Instagram. Your uh, Instagram handle is Christina and then M-A-N-D. You're on LinkedIn you know, your full name, uh, your website is Christina, dot else Anywhere. Yes, Christina,
1: Christina with a K.
0: Yes. Christina with a K, uh, yeah. anywhere else that any people should know. I know you have something that you said you were going to give away. Um, to people oh i can give away I, I i don't know what you, you said so you said you were going to give away
1: i think it's on your website uh, seven Alex days is happiness. The, my people talked to your people most likely that was the case well i it's most likely seven days to happiness yeah, quite yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what it yeah, is yeah but uh yeah you can find me on mind valley of course because it's my company it's my baby so uh, but i'm one of the authors there next to really great authors and if you just want my voice it's my instagram christina man and yes uh, seven days to happiness
0: <laughs> if you so if you're uh you go to christina with a k m-a-n-d.com forward yeah. slash seven dash days dash two dash happiness forward slash i'll put all this in the show notes if you're okay not, you know Thank for, you. for all the listeners but um Christina, thank you so much. I so appreciate you and your time. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Everyone listening, as always, there's something in here that made a difference for you or you hear something that you think could make a difference for someone else, just share it. I love Christina's take. Like you don't have to change anyone, but if you think you hear something, it might be for you. If you think you hear it for someone else, it's probably for you, but you can also share it um, if you think it can make a difference for someone else and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.